0: This is episode 58 of the podcast called Blood and Rain.
1: I'm your host, Arthur Dane. Years ago, as I was building my business, I read a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins. The premise was based on research of the world's most successful companies and the traits they all had in common. One of the traits, the one that really stuck with me, was what he referred to as a window versus mirror mentality. Great companies looked in the mirror at what they could improve, and bad companies looked out the window at their competitors who blamed others. Not only did I adopt this mentality in my business, I adopted this mentality in every aspect of my life. I see a lot of comments in Stoicism and Christianity that present this idea that we have very little control. God is in control. We can only control the present moment. This is a cop-out for people who can't handle the responsibilities of living. It's removing our internal locus of control. We can control a hell of a lot more than we think. I know, I've done it. Call it control, call it influence, call it whatever you want. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. It's a law of the universe. You can control the world the world around you by controlling yourself. My favorite example of a mirror mentality is NFL quarterbacks. If you've ever watched a press conference, part of the burden of being the quarterback is When your team loses you take the blame when your team wins others get the credit the quarterback is never the victim this is the burden of being a man you bear the responsibility whether it's on you or not embrace it take pride in it is that fair no but it's noble the world needs noble men the reason it works this way for quarterbacks is the same reason it works it works in life if you execute what you know to do consistently over time, things will work. You'll win more games than you lose. The key phrase being over time. Most people try a few times, and if it doesn't work, they quit. If it's not working, that doesn't mean you give up and play somewhere someone else. It means you're probably expecting results based on a few plays instead of the whole game. Don't lose sight of the war because you've lost a battle. Expand your time frame and keep executing. Given the context of some of my other content, I frequently get asked about a woman's role in a relationship. Frankly, I'm having to do a lot of research because I've never given that much thought. I've never once used the word submission in my marriage. I have never had to. What I have done is look in the mirror and take responsibility for my conduct. Whether an issue is 50% my fault or 5% my fault, my only priority is fixing the 5% ever. That's all I can control. As a result, my wife has somehow magically adopted the behavior so many men want out of their wives. It's funny how that works. I can't control her. I can't force her to change. But if I change, she'll change. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. She can't not change. It's a law of the universe. I can change her easily by changing myself. When it comes to a window versus mirror mentality, I see a world full of window pointers. I see countless men telling others to take responsibility, not to have a victim mentality. Then I see those same men blaming women, feminism, and the media for the way men are viewed in the world. It is what it is. The best way to change it is for all of us to become higher caliber men. Embrace the gauntlet. As men, our conduct is under a microscope. Fair or not, it is what it is. Our only option is to challenge ourselves and each other to level up to a point that's beyond criticism. The only way we can change the narrative is by changing ourselves. Become unassailable in your character and let your conduct be your fortress.
0: That was uh, one of the many very popular pieces by today's guest. He's a father, he's a husband, he's a business owner proud American, and someone who certainly embodies masculine responsibility. His name is Ryan King, and he has a surging page on Instagram called The Wisdom of Kings. It's content that many people have found refreshing using aesthetics that are classic, but not overused, and using words that are simplifying very refined and nuanced topics throughout life as a man. Thank you so much for being on the show, Ryan.
1: Thanks, Arthur. I appreciate you having me, man
0: absolutely um, yeah your your content caught my eye uh, from will Spencer uh, from the Renaissance of men uh, anytime you know someone's sort of new on the scene and he takes note and, uh, and shares content and tells people to follow you know nine times out of ten I tend to agree and you're certainly one of those nine times of ten um, okay. yeah I'm just curious why um it seems to me especially from the piece that you read that you know, you don't really, like me, honestly, you don't really worry about what everyone else is doing. It's like, well, this is what I need to do, plain and simple. But there's an interesting threshold when that you sort of cross, like, well, maybe I should start saying something about me keeping to myself. That will help others sort of keep themselves and focus on what needs to be focused on. What was that moment for you where that threshold
1: was crossed? Why why start writing? Um, nobody was saying what I thought needed to be said the way I think it needed to be said. You know, I just um, I've had a lot of feedback from the people in my life, you know, and I've got a lot of experience with talking about a lot of these things. You know, as a business owner, I've trained a lot of employees, and uh, you know, once you reach a certain status, you know, um, you know, in a, in a worldly sense, you know, people start to seek you out to you know kind of ask you questions about what you're doing, and it just felt like something that. I just kept getting this message from the people in my circle that yeah. I needed to step up and speak out because I was saying some stuff they had never heard before um and frankly I was just I was frustrated at all the narratives that I was observing and consuming um so for me it was just a matter of somebody's got to say the stuff that needs to be said and if nobody else is going to say it I guess I will
0: I think that's kind of the closest A to B sort of uh, path towards starting something that, I, that I've heard. I think you and uh, I uh, named Alex Leong, he has a page called uh, Meta Bro, and he said I, I told him uh, why. I asked him why did you start writing? Why did you start a page? He's like I felt like it. I was like okay. Yeah, fair <laughs> yeah. like, I, don't have, I don't have. He's like I don't have some uh, some cosmic moment in my life where I just started to start. Where I decided to start writing, I just uh, started doing it. Um, so these people who were who were telling you to you know start speaking up were they you know were they family um, were they your fellow man who you had know, sort of imparted wisdom upon them in person
1: like who, who were these people who were influencing you to step up? Um, I Had a couple of um, younger men who were in the middle of career changes and uh, in the process of of talking with them and just kind of giving them career advice. Um, there were just some things that I said, they said, hey, you got to start a podcast or something. Like I, I've never heard that before. I wish somebody would have told me that, um, you know, in the context of relationships, which I've, I've ended up kind of talking about quite a bit on Instagram. Um, I had a couple of people in, in my life that ended up getting divorced. Um, but towards the end, after it was already too late, you know, they, they came over and started because, you know, my wife and I have a great relationship and most of the people in our circle are aware of you know you know our relationship and so you know they came to us for advice and they said you know God, I, w- I wish we'd come and talk to you sooner you know before it was too late and so um, and then my wife actually sat down probably about a year ago during a lot of the COVID stuff as things had just spun out of control over the last year you know, from a culture standpoint my wife actually sat down and said, "Ryan, you've got to do something. You got to run for office. You got to start a podcast. You got to do something. Like we can't just sit by and let the world fall down around us." You know, and so um, it was really kind of all. You know, if you look at my page, I don't just talk about masculinity or career advice or business. It's kind of I talk about a lot of different topics um, because I've gotten feedback from all those different arenas, um, and you know especially after the divorce thing, you know, I really felt like, you know, if I would have stepped up sooner, um, maybe I could have done something about, you know, those relationships with, you know, with our friends um, before they got to that point, you know, and so that's kind of what I'm hoping now is that, um, you know, if people are struggling, you know, that they'll reach out to me and I can do something, I can, you know, help do something about it before, You know their lives fall apart or their marriages fall apart or their careers fall apart you know and just have somebody that they feel like they can go to um so it was there were several catalysts but those were all kind of over the last year i'd say it was about a 50 50 split between men and women interesting
0: that's you know it's very admirable honestly because you can hear the mark of someone who is striving to to take the most responsibility they can garner and actually get after it when they say you know if i would have done something sooner those friends of mine would not you know be getting divorced
1: that
0: says says a lot about your character and what you see that could potentially be your responsibility you're constantly searching for more things to be responsible for Yeah. because yeah i mean (laughs) i had a coach back in san francisco in muay thai who he had co- he had stepped away from coaching for three years after kind of a spat with, a, with another with another coach who actually ran the gym and he ran the fight team for a gym. And he left. He didn't do Muay Thai for three years. He came to our gym and he was a far better coach than the coaches in our gym at the time. And one of his friends said to him, How can you let those guys just do it wrong? He's like, I'm not their coach. You know, I'm not getting I'm not getting paid. It's not my problem. You know, I'm not I don't want to step in anybody's business. And it it took it took him a while to sort of get back in that state where you could tell he was somebody really, really cared, but he got burned. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, like as soon as he uh as as soon as they said like no, we want you to be a coach here, then he like you saw him start to flourish back as a person who was taking responsibility not just for um not just for, you know, the skill development of Muay Thai in every single fighter in there. He's worried about their minds, he's worried Mm -hmm. about their lives outside the gym. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's a mark of a patriarch, plain and simple. Yeah. It seems to me you're settling into that role and flourishing that role pretty well. Um, was that, was that something you had sort of envisioned being young? Like in, like in your early twenties, like, did you want to be sort of a patriarch type or were you more focused on sort of like the, the individual
1: aspects of life? Um, I never really th- thought of it in those terms as far as being a patriarch, um, I've just always kind of had this mindset of, you know, if you've been given certain gifts or talents, you know, it's they should be used for more than just your personal gain. You know, I mean, um, for me, I mean, as long as you know, I'm 38, so you say in my 20s, you know, I've been very aware, you know, for the last 15 years, you know, how it just seems like society is just falling apart you know, and, and people are lost, and everybody's at each other's throats. And so for me, I put it as, you know, somebody has to step up and do something, you know, and that's really what I wanna try, you know, what I wanna try to do with a lot of the stuff that I write on my content is to inspire men to step up and do more than just, you know, taking care of themselves, doing, you know, doing more even than just taking care of their families, there's so many people that need help. There's, you know, all these, all these young men that don't have mentors. You know, grew up without fathers or male male role models in their lives. And, you know, if if we really, it's easy to sit and gripe. You know, like the critic, you know, the, the Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt man in the arena. You know, it's easy to sit and be a critic. You um, know, I feel like that's all anybody's doing anymore. What I'm really trying to with my content more than just about me. I wanna, I wanna wake up the men that read it, to get in the arena and not just sit, sit on the sidelines and be a critic, but um, to really step up and embrace our role, what I feel like is our role as men, in a, in a positive way, like the only way to fight back against this narrative isn't to gripe on Instagram and get into Twitter fights, you know, it's to step up and take a, take as much responsibility as you can possibly handle on being that change that we all that we all want to see, you know, if we don't like how manhood is being described and how men are being labeled, the best thing we can do is to prove the label wrong and to do something about it in our in our circle. And if everybody does that in their circle, then that's how things go viral. Yeah, you
0: know? yeah, it's it's a important it's important sort of uh, distinction between arguing on Instagram with people like the way things should be. So, like, people think that's sort of offense of the culture war, and really, offense is a bit more indirect. Like, when you focus, you sort of focus on what you can control immediately in this sort of a, this sort of culture war. Um, it's a. Uh, people start to see. So, people start to see you providing examples that you're putting on social media platforms of you explaining this culture war, whether it's things that you're writing, actual information or examples of the training sessions you're doing, or examples of the regimens that you're keeping to develop yourself, whether it be reading or skill development, um, the more that sort of catches on, the more you're showing people what you were doing. It sort of indirectly exactly. puts upon people's psyche. And that's like you said, how it goes viral, but it's, it's a fine line between just quote unquote information war on on Twitter and Instagram, yelling at each other in the way things should be, and actually acting like it and showing it to people. That's that's really.
1: Great. I don't think you're going to change anybody's mind. That you know, like even if you're right in that in that environment in that setup, you're not going to change anybody's mind. You know, but if you live a certain way and they see how you're living and they see the results of your life. That'll change my mind, you know, and so it it goes back to looking in the mirror for me and to just say, instead of thinking about being, you know, and what I wrote, I used it in the context of business, you know, like the best businesses, they look in the mirror, they don't look out the window, you know, they don't look at their competitors, they just control themselves and they let the results speak for themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. to me, instead of to me, it's a better way to fight the battle to just say, here's where we're going. And if you like where I'm going, then follow me, and let let that create its own momentum. Instead of you know looking out the window and you know getting into fights that way. it's like even if you're right, you're not going to change anybody's mind. You know, but I've had a lot of people that have changed that have changed that have ended up telling me I changed their mind about something with something that I wrote, and I never I never fought that battle. I just said, here's what I believe. Here's why I believe it. Here's how I live. Here's why I live that way. And this is what happens when I do that. And I've had a lot of people, way more than I would have ever done if I was getting into arguments on comments or, you know, Twitter or whatever. I've had a lot of people that said, you know, when you first when I read that first slide, I didn't agree with you. By the end, you actually changed my mind. You know, and, and to me, that's that's where we've got to get to that, you know, as a society is just you know, to plant your flag and to say, here's who I am. Here's what I stand for. Here's what I believe. If you agree with me, join me. You know, if you disagree, that's fine. And just just be you. Look in the mirror, best version of you that you can be, and let and let that create its own momentum, create its own you know, gravitation. You know, gravitational pull of all the people that, you know, um, are drawn to what you stand for. And I think that's going to be, a, I think that's a far more effective way to pull people that might not agree with us right now. That's a far more effective way to pull those people in, in my experience. Yeah, it's,
0: I had a guest on uh, the political, he's a surging political writer, uh, totally not an acronym. He, he has a website out called Federalist View. And when he, re- when he recorded, he's like, have you ever had a, an argument about politics? And at the end of it, just felt so great. Like, you know what? I'm going to take this guy's side now. That'll be argued for a couple hours. Like, it yeah. never, it never happens. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and in mean, I grew up and lived for a very long time in what's potentially the most left wing part of the world, maybe. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's either Portland or Oakland, like Oakland, yeah. San Francisco area. It's it's about as as Marxist as it gets, and. I remember just kind of feeling like a like complete fish out of water, but I, didn't, I also didn't mind it too much because um, you know, those ideals don't really foster true work ethic and true personal development. They're only sort of fixated on external factors. They're fixated on decay and destruction. Mm-hmm. And when I started just very clearly, I mean, I was an Orthodox Christian bartender who Practiced Muay Thai, and was training fifty hours a week, and was not drinking, and was not sleeping around. And after a while, it was sort of like, "Well, what's up with that?" And yeah. you know, I had coworkers tell me, "You know, you're 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 a crazy person." I was like, "Why how's that?" He's like, "You literally don't do anything fun. You don't sleep around. You don't drink. You don't do drugs. You don't do this." And I was just like, "I don't actually think I'm a crazy person. I just think I'm the most sane man in the room because all of you looks miserable right now." Yeah. This, and I was half joking. I had a really good relationship with them. It wasn't me sort of like rubbing things in their faces. Sure. Um, but I tell they like, they didn't physically feel very good. I could tell, you know, they were kind of distraught. And then the one coworker who was always trying to get me to shoot behind the bar. He says to me one day, not drinking for 30 days. I'm doing a doing a fitness and cleansing. I'm like, oh. Huh. So, like, yeah. It's, it's the subconscious influence, being sort of in plain sight, but not being sort of aggressive with them. That unnerves people makes question their own decisions a lot more than saying, "Hey man, I really think you should come to the gym with me. I think you should be getting." you are going to be like, "I don't want to do that. It's going to annoy them." You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, so you're you're in Arkansas, correct? Yes. So what was what was the sort of onset of COVID nineteen eighty four for you like down there? Because you, you mentioned it being pretty. Your, your wife saying. The world's crazy right now. You have to do something, you have to run for office. Meanwhile, my best friend moved to Arkansas, so now I'm wondering what the landscape was like that, you
1: know? Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't bad here. I think in April 2020, um, we were locked down for about three weeks. Um, and then after that, we pretty much opened back up completely. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of – there were a few a few places that you had to wear a mask, you um, like the grocery store, um, you know, if you had to go to the hospital or the doctor's office or something like that, which personally, you know, I was fine with I was fine with wearing a mask in those places because it's like, there are people that are at risk in a grocery store or a hospital or something like that, you know, like, but it, but everywhere else, like the gyms never shut down, you never had to wear a mask in the gym, it was all young people, it was really, it was pretty common sense around here, honestly, because the places that were voluntary, like restaurants, you know, gyms, places like that. They they didn't really enforce any of the, you know, guidelines because it was like everybody here's thirty. Like, there's stupid, you know, to have all these restrictions in that scenario. So, um, yeah, it was way way better than probably anywhere else in the world. You know, in the South, we were um, we just. It, it makes it pretty easy when everybody knows, like, yeah, they're not going to put up. This stuff. <laughs> they would have a revolt if we tried to do anything, you know. If they tried to do anything, if they tried to pull, like, you know, in California or Canada and places like that, like, our 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 politicians and government officials know how that would play out. You know, it
0: really kind of highlights to me like which states are going to be a stronghold and which states are just going to flop. It's mm-hmm. It's pretty plain as day, honestly. Yep.
1: It's very, very obvious.
0: Yeah. In in terms of, you know, getting up to that that point, I mean you have a I think you have a wealth of knowledge which seems to me most I would imagine is mostly by experience, but you do have a pretty fantastic arsenal of books behind you. So <laughs> I'm curious, um, what's what's the gradient of influence on your content between sort of experience and uh and externals and what were the sort of key externals that applied that sort of influenced your content inspired your content
1: um i would say 90 percent of my content is internal um a lot of you know i don't listen to a lot of podcasts you know i i don't um i don't read a lot of like um like self-help books yeah. um, or philosophy or any of that. Like mo- Most of my reading is um, either history or fiction. Um, but for me, I just I, I kind of have this personality where when I'm exposed to something that I don't understand, I get sort of manic until I figure it out. You know, like the best example I could give is, you know, with my business when I was growing and I was in sales. Mm-hmm. And so I would go try to sell something and the way I explained it didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, they said no. Or, you know, I, there was something I didn't cover and it ended up coming up. That, that was the reason that they did do business with me or whatever. And so I kind of was forced into this, you know, mindset of, you know, always challenging everything and presenting it in a way that, you know, by the time I'm done presenting it, they have no option but to say, you know, but to agree to do business with me. And my, my mindset with sales has always been, like, I don't have to try to convince people. When I got into sales, I didn't um, I didn't have any experience, and I didn't know anything about it, you know. And this was in the early 2000s, so there wasn't a lot of, like, YouTube videos or anything that, like, teach me how to do it. I just had to figure it out. Um, and I never wanted to be the cheesy sales guy like you saw in movies, you know, that's happened to try to convince people of stuff. And so... You know, over time, I realized, you know, if I could just teach people what I know, then they'll probably do what I would do. I don't have to, I don't have to change minds. Um, And so for the first probably 15 years of my life, being in sales, starting a business, all that stuff, um, I just kept getting exposed to situations where I didn't know what I was doing. where it, It was all brand new and I just had to figure it out. And I've always just tried to stay true to that principle, you know, and that's kind of what I try to do with my writing is if I can just teach them what I teach people what I know, they'll probably come to the same conclusions that I came to because I try to just be objective and look at it from every angle and just say what makes the most sense. And so any issues that come up, um, a lot of the content that I write is really just questions um, that. Either get posed to me or things that I want to figure out, and I just sit and think about it until I come come up with what makes the most sense to me. You know, um, and a lot of a lot of that stuff is probably as far as external sources. Um, the biggest external sources I would I would say that have had influence on me have been a lot of the fiction books that I've read. You know, a lot of the movies that I've watched. It's um, and I, I don't think I've really written about this yet, but um, I think there's a lot of good role models in fiction and, and you know movies that that display these character traits that I talk about, that I talk about like integrity and nobility, you know being honorable and all that stuff. And you watch a movie like Lord of the Rings, you watch a movie like Gladiator, you watch a movie like Braveheart. Like they exemplify certain character traits that we don't we don't really have and see in society that often anymore. But that doesn't mean we can't try to emulate them. Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't suddenly just like completely cease to exist in mankind.
0: I mean, there, there's, there's like a number of reasons why I think a lot of people aren't exemplifying them. A lot of people point to chemically how we're being poisoned. That's, that's a big factor. Sure. Um, and they'll also talk about how we're being poisoned psychologically. Like, you know, they don't even make those movies anymore. Like, yeah. These are early 2000s movies or 90s movies that we're still adhering to you know principles and frameworks of the hero's journey that like provide resolve for people for the most part and now it's everything's sort of like a deconstructed anti-hero like yes. I went off on Mad Men like a couple
1: weeks ago like no, i read that i read that series that was awesome it's true i mean it's completely true it, you know we're it's subtly being undermined where you know now everything is you got to root for the guy that's the bad guy you know like breaking bad you know yeah um, a lot of the Game of Thrones characters, all the honorable ones got killed off because being honorable was quote unquote naive and stupid. And the only way to really win is if you're, you know, a conniving, backstabbing, whatever, you know, and it's like, I mean, I get, I get certain points of that, but it's just discouraging from the standpoint of those are all the things that are influ- influencing, influencing us. And you see the, a lot of that in the masculine red pill content, you know, that's like, you know. Get your own take care of yourself. It doesn't matter what how other people feel or whatever. It's like, dude, if you don't think there are consequences for your actions, you don't understand how things work, you know, like Down the road skeletons in your closet, like how many people do we have to see that as soon as they reach the pinnacle of success, they get torn down because they have all these skeletons in their closet because they didn't conduct themselves with any integrity, with any honor, with any loyalty. They just did whatever they had to, just win at all cost mentality. And it's like there are there are certainly situations where you've got to have that mentality, where it is a zero sum me versus you situation, you know, in, in you know muay thai or something like that. You know, like it's one versus one, who's the better one? Like, yeah. and in those situations, I'm going to go all out and I'm going to win. But not everything is one of those situations. There's a lot of situations where you can create a win win and not only do you get what you want but the other person gets what they want and you have an ally in the future instead of an enemy you know and and there's i can't point to anything specific but you go back and you read Confucius you go back and you read you know, Sun Tzu and, you know all these philosophers they all back that back that up like don't make enemies for no reason that's stupid that's going to come back and bite you you know and so there's just a lot of lack of nuance and a lack of content you know and, um being honorable and doing the right thing. And it's only been in the very recent history that that stopped being an expectation or a societal value. Like every other point in human history that I'm aware of, you know, I remember as a kid growing up, you know, when you're playing sports, they would say, you know, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game, you know, and, and we still look down on that when other people behave that way. Watching you know, a football game or whatever, and somebody cheats or somebody stacks the deck in their favor, I, none of us respect them for it because it's too much. You know, if you have all the best players in the NBA on one team, everybody hates that team. You know, nobody's rooting for that team. And yet, everybody that's writing content that I see, everybody that's putting out, you know, writing all this red pill stuff is basically glorified. Do what you got to do to win. Winning is all that matters. Get all the best players on the team and make, take care of yourself. And it's like, man, you don't even like you when you when you do that stuff. That's a fact.
0: And I've seen people really try to convince themselves, like, that, you know, this is just the way I am. Like, this is my nature. Like, they get this sort of strange, like, I'm just an animal, man. I was like, okay. Yeah. It, it, it catches up with you, like you said. Yeah. It catches with you up with you every single time. And I, I get I get a giggle out of sort of like, it's become somewhat of a meme, but like I get a giggle out of like the guys who were legitimately like comparing themselves to characters like Patrick Bateman, and you know the, the amount of like American psycho worship, and, and I, the one that really pissed me off honestly was the Don Draper worship, um, yeah, you know it just. One, one's a sociopath, uh, one is suffering from a literal identity crisis, is a deadbeat dad. I mean, you know, it's across the board, these are horrific examples of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, like, as you were saying, too, like, I mean, even in Christianity, like, literally in the gospel, Christ told the apostles, be as peaceful as, a, be as wise as a serpent, but as a peaceful, peaceful as a dove. Like, don't be stupid. Don't, yeah. don't go face first, defenseless, in the harm's way. Yeah. But, you know, don't don't raise hell at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's It seems to be like, and I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is a lack of context. I don't know if this is a product of sort of mass media and um, arts and entertainment portraying things this way. And, and it's sort of extremes where you're either like peaceful and clueless or you're intelligent and sort of conniving. And it's not true at all. Like you, you can cultivate a, sort of a, a well-rounded um, individual that's able to defend itself and pr- provide for others. And that's classically what a man is supposed to be like.
1: Exactly. Uh, so and that's what we used to expect out of men. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just admired, it was expected. You know, if somebody didn't do things in an honorable way, like, you know, you go back and whether it's sports, whether it's, you know, you know, competing armies, you know, like after certain certain battles in, in the civil war, you know, the the armies saluted each other for, for conducting themselves honorably for being a worthy opponent, you know, like it used to be a thing where it was like, I don't want I don't want to win that way. I remember hearing that in a lot of you know, after after sports. I played college college baseball, so I hmm. I use a lot of sports analogies, but um, you know, it's like I don't want to win that way. You know, I don't want to win because their best player got hurt or the umpire gave me a, a, a lucky call. Like, if I win, I want to know that I earned it. You know what I mean? Like, that used to that used to matter and it's like, now it's like, nobody, nobody cares about how you do things anymore and, and to me, that's, like you said, you know, that's what men are supposed to be like. You know, we're supposed to have a standard of honor, you know, and not destroy everything around us in our pursuit of you know winning like and listen you said something earlier about you know being an animal like yeah you need to be able to be an animal that didn't mean you constantly be an animal that's crazy you yeah. know like even lions only hunt when they have to like the rest of the time they're laying around they're not just killing stuff for no reason just for the fun of it
0: you know, it, it's, it's funny, like, you see this across the board in, like, combat sports and in, in regular sports, too. Like, the ones that are, have, like, this sort of unstable surging potential, like, these sort of, quote-unquote, like, freak athletes or these really loudmouth, like, knockout, like, Conor McGregor's a perfect example. Um, and then, you t- like, you could compare Conor McGregor versus Habib Nurmagomedov, and you could compare, um, gosh, you could compare Bo Jackson versus uh, Marcus Allen. Right, so Marcus Allen or Joe Montana and Dan Marino, I think that's kind of more yeah. accessible for people to understand. You have McGregor, who was super cocky, was fighting in a weight class that he was honestly too big for, knocking out guys that were smaller than him. It's really good at talking, it's really good at promoting, um, but he started writing checks he couldn't cash in terms of like fight promises because he he stopped working on his craft. Then mm-hmm. you have a guy Habib Nurmagomedov who was living in the mountains, and literally living like it was 200 years ago and rarely talked himself up. Like, even when he was tasked to describe his skill set and describe, you know, the, the level of his skill set, he was still striving for humility. And he absolutely murdered Conor Berger in the cage. Dan Marino was supposed to be, you know, athletic quarterback, quick snap, big, you know, strong stature. Going into 1984, that Super Bowl against the Niners, like everyone thought that QB duel was going to be quick one and done, and Joe Montana ate his lunch because he didn't, he, he wasn't worried about the flash. He wasn't worried about sort of flexing. He was worried about winning and he won with, with this, honestly.
1: Yeah.
0: And the way you use your skills is much better than the actual sort of raw skills that you have at your disposal. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's very, very, very rare for the most talented person to the, the biggest animal basically. To actually be the most victorious, the person who's most victorious is the one who knows how to best use everything they have at their disposal.
1: Plain and simple. Yep. Yeah, and they had and they had to they had to learn. Their their skills were developed over time. You know, they were talented. Very very seldomly, like the only ones that do both are the ones that are icons. You know, like Michael Jordan, like Tiger Woods. You have a few that have all the talent and have the. Work. Yeah, um, and was one in both. It's it's kind of absurd. Yeah. Yeah. If, if if you're great at both, you're you're a Mount Rushmore of whatever your field is. You know, if, if you're super talented and you're humble, and you keep working, because usually what happens is, if you're super talented, you don't have to work that hard to be the best. You can just walk out there and be the best. Mm-hmm. You know, whether even in school, like there's a lot of people that school just comes easily to them. You know, they're very rarely the ones that end up being the valedictorian because they don't have to grind. You know, um, is, is they're going to show up and make a make a ninety-one and they that's good enough. You know, um, but very seldomly, most of, most of the time, it's the person that isn't quite where they want to be and they have to keep working at it to catch up. And then the talent, eventually, the talent starts to even out, and then and then what separates it who works the hardest and that's what to me is interesting is that at the highest levels whether it's combat sports or the Olympics or you know basketball or football or whatever it's like the difference between the best player in the NBA and the dude that's sitting on the bench is you wouldn't even know the difference if you went and watched them play at a high school game and you didn't know who was who you couldn't even differentiate I mean the the, the difference between the, the The best and the people that are right below them is so small that it literally is the work ethic. Talent only takes you so far in anything, whether it's business or, you know, relationships or sports or whatever. I mean, um, and usually people that are talented never have to have the work ethic. And then all of a sudden they get to a point where they're going up against people that have their level of talent and they can't hold up anything because they don't have the work ethic to go along with it.
0: Yeah, talent. Talent really only gets you so far. Like, there really hasn't been. See, it's funny. There's people who have made it to the top on, on, on work ethic alone, but there. I can't think of one person who made it to the top on talent alone. Not one. Um, yeah. You got to have some semblance of work ethic. You're not going to make it. I mean, you know, Mike. <laughs> Mike Tyson is like Mr. Fast which basically. Like he mm-hmm. saw that guy. That guy looked like a thirteen. You're Like there's no way that's a thirteen year old. Yeah. Um, but and, and what's funny is they people talk about his natural knockout power, right this, like this god-given knockout power. but no one sees like he's one of the most precise, accurate punchers in the history of boxing. He has arguably the best footwork this side of Sugar Ray Robinson and Muhammad Ali yeah. in, in boxing history. And like no one gives him credit for that. He had this violent work ethic. Mm-hmm. He was program because there's like that story he told about Custi Amato. Uh, Mike Tyson, you know, he's, he's taken in by and he says, I can't believe I found you, and Cuss is like, you didn't find me, I summoned you, and he's like, what? <laughs> and he, he programmed his mind, he he just, he sort of kept him on the straight and narrow, almost to the point where, like, once he was gone, that Mike really couldn't fend for himself, he just knew boxing, and he found himself to be world champion in 19, and he, didn't, he, he never really lost in the ring, he just lost outside of the ring, that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but once that work ethic disappeared and once Cuss is gone, it went, but he really got to where he was at, not because of his talent, because of his work ethic. Like, you saw the amount of how precise he was with every single movement. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting, Like it's it's, it's nothing new. And it's, it's not only just work ethic in terms of raw output, but it's also the work ethic to constantly reassess where you need to put in your raw output like that precision um like I, I imagine starting a business and from my understanding you have, a, you have a payment business um that's pretty successful right now like what was I mean sort of uh, encompassing everything we've 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 talked about to sort of wrap things up like how did all these lessons sort of go into building your business like this precision um working with honor you know taking uh, your experience from sales and being able to explain the way you want to do things rather than having to put on some really bizarre sales personality. Like, I would imagine that was sort of the combination of all your skills together.
1: Yeah, um, so I started off, I was, my first job, I worked for Verizon um, selling cell phones back when everything was originally moving from flip phones to, like, the iPhone stuff, you know, early, mid-2000s. Um, and so as far as, you know, uh, the honor and integrity part, um, for me, a few lessons stand out to me when I was working at Verizon that kind of, um, influenced my mindset later on. And so, first of all, um, my, I remember after my first son was born, um, he was maybe a year old and my wife brought him in to see me at the, at the office. And, um, he probably wasn't even a year old yet. He was probably nine months old or so. And, uh, as she was leaving, he was care, you know, she was carrying him and he was looking over her shoulder, looking at me and he started crying and reaching for me. And that was really like the first time as a, as a, as a kid that he had like wanted me, you know, he was only like nine months old. He was, he'd always wanted mom, you know, And um, he just, I I still vividly remember him looking over her shoulder and reaching for me. And I was having to work all the time with Verizon. And I just remember this feeling of like, I just felt awful. And I said, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want him to want me and me not be able to be there. Um, And so that was one of the triggers where I started thinking like, I'm not gonna work for the, I'm not gonna work for somebody else. I'm gonna work for myself. And so I just started doing the math, and they paid, me, they paid me really well. I was making probably $90,000 a year at Verizon. I was you know, the top salesman in, I don't know, a multi, multi-state area. And, um, but I, after that moment, I started thinking differently. That was kind of a, pers- a perspective change. And I started thinking, you know, they paid me basically the first two months of revenue off of what I sold. Well, I went through and did the math. I said, how much would I be making? If I got to keep all of it, if I owned the business, how much would I already be making? And I, and I did the math. And it's like I would already have been making $300,000. I'd made them 300000 a year. If I got to keep all that, I would be making 300000 a year, and I could be at home with my son instead of him reaching for me. And so I started looking for business opportunities that had that component of, can I sell something once and have it stack indefinitely? Um And so I didn't go into the, I didn't even know what the payments business was at the time. I just knew what characteristics and qualities I was looking for. I didn't care what the product was. I just, I just cared. What I cared about was how do I work really hard for a short time, for a short time period and continually be paid for it, you know, after the sale is made and not have to start over every month. Um, And eventually that led me into the payment space. Um, As far as how I conducted my business, I remember how the corporations that I worked for, I remember, I remember how they treated me. Um, I was just a number. They didn't care. One, you know, one month they came in and I was supposed to get like a $10,000 commission check. And the day before I got paid, I looked at my commission check and it was like $5,000 and they had taken 5,000 off. And it was just on, on the line item, it said for windfall. And I, and, I, and I started messaging everybody, fine. And I, and I said, what is windfall? What is windfall? And finally, like the VP of the market, like four levels above my boss called me and said, Ryan, we just can't let salespeople make that much. I said, so you're penalizing me for being too good at what I do? And he said, well, if you wanna think about it like that, yeah, I was like, okay.
0: That that's um, not exactly what's happening. But, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then the way they treated customers, you know, like they would just randomly, you know, they they didn't care about the customers. They were just a number. They were nobody. And so, I just remember having all these things happen. I knew I was going to start my own business, and I decided back then, when I own a business, I'm not going to treat my customers the way that they treat their customers, and I'm not going to treat my employees the way they treat me. Um. And so really a lot of it is just like really simple like golden rule type of stuff like when i'm in charge i'm not going to become like them i'm going to remember what it felt like to be me when i didn't have control when i didn't have power um, and i'm going to make sure that i stay and i keep those values when the shoes on the other foot and i do have the power to do to do those things and i'm, I'm, I'm going to remember that um, and so those are just kind of some lessons that i took away from bad experiences that I had and I just made a decision way back then like here's what I'm going to do and I don't know my own business here's how I'm going to run it I'm not going to I'm not going to do the you know businesses business thing where you know you can just because you can get away with it you do whatever is whatever you want um, I just made a decision way back then that, that wasn't how I was going to do things and I stuck to it. You know, it's it's
0: always a lot simpler than people think, man. It really is <laughs> across the board. Like, you know, I th- I think the only things that are I don't want to say more complicated, like truly more complicated, or you have to be more precise are matters of God. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, no, that's not that's not simple. Matters uh, matters of God are very complicated. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I, mean, I hear like a lot of these like Orthodox priests and minds like they're so precise in language, like all the little nuance. But when it comes to things things of this world and, and, carrying your, and carrying certain values like it's a daily praxis that sort of just carries on time and time again It becomes an extension of you mm-hmm. I'm sure it's an extension of your family and I'm from the sounds of it it's, it's, a, it's an extension of you and your business
1: as well yeah, um, yeah absolutely you know and, and you know, I think a lot of people you know just from the feedback that I get from the stuff that I write um, they think it's more complicated than that just because they've never had anybody to 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 tell them it's not you know all these things seem really complicated and people want them to want it to be complicated you know it's like they feel like it gives them they get bonus points if they did it a harder way or whatever it's like if you just execute the fundamentals over and over and over again they'll work they you know it's like they'll never not work like if you're trying to lose weight you can get crazy you can get fancy you can do all these things or you can just Burn more calories than you consume every day for an extended time period, and you'll lose weight. Yeah. Like, it's not that it's not that complicated. It's you know it's it's hard, but it's not difficult. You know it's 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 simple but not easy. You know like, you know like what I said with my business. You know it's 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 easy to say like I'm going to keep those values, but it's harder to harder to actually do. You know because there's been a lot of times where I've had to choose between doing the right thing. And making a lot of extra money or doing the wrong thing and you know keeping that money you know i've had to i've had to say no to really good money at times because i i have to look in the mirror and live with myself you know and so for me it's like i think a lot of it is just short-sighted when it comes to certain things when it comes to money when it comes to relationships when it comes to a lot of these things it's like you don't have to choose. Like I it's just like the sports thing I said earlier. You know, like I want to make a lot of money. I have no problem with money, um, but I want to make it the right way. I want to be able to live with myself. I don't, I, you know, I don't want to have to look over my shoulder and worry that somebody's going to find out about something that I did. I want to be able to enjoy the money too. You know, and then the thing is, if I'm just patient and I keep executing what I know to do, I can have both. Yeah. I can have more money, and I can have in my integrity and my honor, and I can. Not have to lose sleep at night because I'm worried that my competitor is going to find out blah, blah blah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I can do both. It just takes a little longer. You know, like if I'm trying to make an extra twenty grand, like yeah, I could make the twenty grand right now doing something shady, or I can make or I can spend six months working hard and being honest and doing the right thing and still make the extra twenty grand. I can have both. You don't have to choose. I think a lot of people just get short sighted. You know, like they think this is their only chance to have to have money. So they've got to just, oh, I'm going to I'm going to sacrifice my character to get it. So dude, you can you can have both. You don't have. To, that's why I, I get frustrated about a, this zero sum mentality. Like think win win. That's one of the habits, seven habits of highly effective people is think win win. Figure out how to have both. Yeah, your honor. And if you're really that smart, if you're really a good business person, you can make a lot of money, too. You don't have to choose. You can have both. I don't see people saying that out in the world anymore. It's, you know, it's like same thing holds true for relationships or friendships or whatever. Like you you can, you can be loyal. You can do the right thing. You can keep your word. You can be honorable and you can still have, you have all these, all the things that you want at the same time. It's just, it's harder. It's, It's definitely harder and it takes longer. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's worth it. The harder road
0: is also going to, like, strengthen you at the same time. So it's even more fruitful than just two people benefiting on, on, on paper. Like, you're going to benefit internally from putting yourself through that strain. I mean, it's, it's 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 not even just a win-win. It's a win-win-win, honestly, rather than yeah. – You're, you're going to feel trash. Like, you're going to you're going to feel trash. The other person's going to feel trash, and you're going to have, like, some kind of quick resolve with something, and it's – you're, you're going to be worse for it, And uh even if on paper you got ahead, but strange world nowadays, but I think due to content for people like you, it's, uh, it's going to make quite a bit of a shift. Pretty, I would, I would definitely say mid, mid this decade, honestly.
1: I agree. Yeah. I think, um, people can feel it, man. Like it does, It what's, what's been crazy to me. I was never before. I just started writing in January, you know, um, until then I wasn't ever really a participant in social media in any way. You know, I would post pictures of my kids at Christmas on Facebook and stuff like that. That was about it. What's been really eye-opening for me as I, as I kind of started putting myself out there is people from all over the world that, that are, we're all feeling the same, the same thing, like something's missing. It just feel life feels cheap. Yeah, and it's like we were we were meant we were meant for more than this, whatever. And, and we can't. I I still can't even completely put my finger on it. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about it and writing about it, and all that. But it's just been it's been really shocking to me how many people from all over the world, um, male and female, um, even a, across the political spectrum, that have reached out to me that have all expressed the same. Sort of feeling like this is not how it's supposed to be. What's going on right now is not—it's not right. Like something is wrong. We can all feel this disease that's eating away at at who at who we're at who we're supposed to be, at the way life is supposed to be lived. And just hearing that feedback from pe- from people all across the spectrum, from all over the world, has given me a lot of hope. Um that I don't think a lot of people, unless you're creating content, I wouldn't, most of these messages are, are private messages, you know what I mean, like, I would never have known that all these people shared shared the values that I have, I felt like I was alone for a long time, in having the values that I had. Um, that's, and so that's, for me, that's, I, I just don't want you to
0: speak, because they want people thinking they're isolated, when in fact they're not.
1: It, it, yeah, absolutely, you know, and so I, I'm a, I, I completely agree with you, I think this decade is going to be. Um, there's going to be a lot of people whose eyes are open, and who step not just have their eyes open, but step up into a life that is, has more meaning, and that that, that you know that realize um, the emptiness of what of, of the lie we're all being fed right now about what life is about. You know, there's this consumerism and the and the self-serving, like the the real meaning that in. Satisfaction in life comes from what you contribute to the to other people. You know, like the best feelings I've ever had have been I've done something for somebody else. Yeah, I mean, without question, and nobody talks like that. That, that that's not a that's not a you know a value that we endorse in our media and our movies and our you know in anything that we quote unquote admire as a society. All these things that are being held up as as aspirational are empty. And people are realizing that because they go accomplish the thing they've been told to aspire to, and they feel empty afterwards. And they think, how dare you lie to me, like, you know, and they start looking for something with me, you know, and, and I think that self serving, um, selfish, reactionary, vindictive, um, you know, Spirit that we have in society, in the globally, I think people are waking up to that because we've all chased it enough to realize that there's no future. And so we're looking for something better in it. So that's why I think it's really important that we have people step up, you know, and speak up and share their experiences and share their values in a way that's not inflammatory, you know, in a way that's that's. It's, it's not more shot of a, value. That's not shot value. It's more of an invitation. You know, it's a, if you feel this way, here's here's what I've found to be the answer. For that. And if you agree, then here I am, join me. You know, that's what leadership is, is just you go first. You say, here's where we're going. Here's what I think is the best path. And if you agree, then jump on board. Let's go.
0: There it is. <laughs> Plain and simple, uh, folks. Give Ryan King a follow on Instagram. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of wisdom of Kings there. To be perfectly honest, um, his content is incredible. It's well written. The aesthetics are well curated, and I think it'll provide a very simple and enhancement to your life. That's a massive force multiplier. Ryan, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having
0: me. Absolutely. And as always, guys, good night, good storms. Glory to the air, God. Glory to thee. Thank you.